Okay, good morning, good Chodesh. Um, today's daf is daf Chof Beis. That's the last uh, last daf of the Masechta, Masech Eshcholim. And we're going to go from the Mishnah towards the bottom of Chof Aleph Amud Beis 21b. Um, the Gemara, um, today's Shiz, Ilu Nishmat, Ben Sion, Ben Ze'ev, Avram Halevi, Matis Breina, Bas Tuvia Ze'ev. And Matis Yao Mordechai Ben Yosef, may the Neshamas have an Aliyah, and may the memory be a blessing. Um, today's, oh, in regarding the Omer today, Hayom Chamishor Osor Yom Shehem Shnei Shavuos Yom Echad Ba'Omer. Today is the fifteenth day of the Omer. Um, okay, so this mission is now going. Sorry, yes. Um, to may, today should also be for Fuah Shlema of Tzvi HaKohen Bas Shifra. They have a com- complete and speedy recovery. Um, so the new Mishnah is going to discuss where to burn Kodshei Kodshim that become Tomei. It seems generally when Kodshei Kodshim become possible, remember, sorry, let me go back one step. There are two levels of sacrifices. There's Kodshei Kodshim and Kodshei Kalim. Remember, Kodshei Kodshim are never ever supposed to leave the temple courtyard um, and therefore they're generally burnt in the temple courtyard at what's called base Hadeshed it's towards the east of the altar in the temple courtyard that's for regular psulim so most times that the korban becomes possible and you have to burn it you burn it there our mission is going to discuss burning um, burning the kodshe kodshim um And where you burn the kodshim that become tomei. Because remember, tomei, you have this added problem is you're not really supposed to have tomei things in the temple courtyard. So do you still burn them in the temple courtyard or do you burn them out of the temple courtyard? Now we're going to have four opinions, but they're all going to be based on permutations of the following two factors. So let's get these factors clear. The first factor is, is it a severe tumor? Does the tumor come from an av? Or does the tumor come from a vlad? Does it come from a primary source of tumor? A sheretz, a zav, a zav, etc. A person who is tome, or an object that is actually tome. Or does it come from a vlad, a rishon, or further, something that became tome from an av? So if it's a severe tumor, there's more reason you should not be allowed to have it in the temple courtyard any amount of extra time, and you should take it out and burn it outside. That's the one factor, okay? Is it a severe tumor from an av? The second factor is, did it become tome inside the temple courtyard or outside the temple courtyard? Now, again, it's not really supposed to ever be taken outside the temple courtyard, but let's say it was taken out and it became tome. Can you take it back in and burn it? So, again, there's less likelihood that you'd be allowed to take something that's tome back in to the temple courtyard. So again, the two factors are, is it from a severe level of tumor? Or it, and secondly, did it become tome inside or outside the temple courtyard? So let's see the four opinions. So he says, If you have kodshe kodshim, the flesh of kodshe kodshim that became tome, whether it's from a primary source or a secondary source of tumor, whether it became tome Inside or outside, beishamai oimrim beishamai say hakol yisoreif bifnim. It must all be burnt inside. Chutz mishenitma ba'av hatuma bechutz. 
except for something that became tome through an avhatuma outside. I, that all cases you would burn the flesh of that korban that became tome inside the temple courtyard unless it has both factors. Remember we are discussing two factors unless it has both factors. One is it has a severe level of tume and secondly that it became tome on the outside the temple courtyard. In that case, you burn it outside. But in all other cases, you burn it inside. Basil, Omri and Basil will say, they're basically going to say the opposite. Hakol Yisoreif Bechutz, Chutz Mishenitma Bevlad Hatuma Bifnim. Everything is burnt outside the base of Mikdash. All these animals that became, all these Kodshay Kodshim that became Tomei are burnt outside. Except if it became Tomei Bevlad Hatumah, light level Tumah, and it became Tomei inside, then you burn it inside. So according to Basilel, you have to not have both factors to burn it inside the temple courtyard. In all other cases, if you have one of the factors, either it became a severe level of Tumah, or it was, uh, became Tomei outside of the temple courtyard, you would have to burn it outside. Rabbi El- Third opinion, Rabbi Eliezer, Oimer Rabbi Eliezer says, if it became Tomei through an Avatuma, a more severe to a source of Tuma, then you burn it outside. If it became Tomei through a secondary source of Tuma, then whether it became Tomei outside or inside, you burn it in the temple courtyard. So according to Rabbi Akiva, or Rabbi Eliezer, you only take into consideration one consideration. What is that? Where, what type of tumor does it have? If it has other tumor, you burn it outside. If it has, if it became tumor through vlada tumor, then you burn it inside. Doesn't matter where it became tumor. That's Rabbi Eliezer's. You only take into account the first factor. Rabbi Akiva, Omer Rabbi Akiva says, Mokom Tumaso Shom Rabbi Akiva says, wherever it became Tomei, that's where you burn it. I. It doesn't matter, um, doesn't matter what type of Tomei it has, it matters whether it became Tomei. In a way, according to Rabbi Akiva, you would never bring tumor if the tumor is already in the temple courtyard. So then you burn it in the temple courtyard. If the tumor became outside the temple courtyard, even if it's a light level tumor, you don't bring it back into the temple courtyard. But again, according to Rabbi Akiva, the only factor that you take into consideration when determining if you burn it is where did it become Tomei, the second factor. So just again, in summary, again, this Mishnah, these four opinions are based on the two factors of what type of Tomei. Is it av, did it become Tomei from an Av or from a Vlad? That's the first one. If it's an Av, there's more chance you should burn it outside. Not all opinions hold that, but there's more chance. And the second factor is, did it become Tomei inside the temple courtyard or outside the temple courtyard? Remember, if it became Tomei outside the temple courtyard, there's less chance we're going to be allowed to bring it into the temple courtyard. Now, um, so, Beishamai says, only if the only time you burn it outside is if you have both factors, ayat's other tumah, and became tumah outside. They say the opposite, and they say the only time you burn it inside is where it has neither factor. It was tumah inside through a vlada tumah, but in all ta- in any time it's other tumah, or any time it became tumah outside, you would have to burn it outside. Then we said, Rabbi Lezer says, no, you only take the first factor, I how it became tumah into account. If it's a severe tumah, you burn it outside. If it's light, if it's 
Vlad Atuma, you burn it inside, and Rabbi Akiva says, no, the only factor you take into account is, where did it become Tome? If it became Tome in the temple courtyard, you do burn it bifnim in the temple courtyard. Otherwise, you would burn it outside. Let's see the Gomorrah. The Gomorrah is now going to just clarify what we mean by Vlad Atuma. So, Bar Kapora Amar Avatuma Dovvar Torah. Bar Kapora says, when we say Avatuma, we mean it became Tome according to Torah law. Vlad Hatuma, when we say Vlad Hatuma, Midivrehem, we mean where it became Tome Durabonan. So the real difference is not how severe the Tuma is, the real difference is, is it Tuma Doraisa or Tuma Durabonan? That's according to Bar Kapora. Rabbi Yochanan, Omer Rabbi Yochanan says, Bain Bezed Var Torah. He says, no, both are Doraisa. I, this that we, this whole discussion of the Mishnah is where it's Tomei Doraisa. I'll just give an example of a difference between Vladatuma, that's Doraisa, or Durabonin, is liquids. Remember we said liquids or, let's see, certain things that are Tomei would only be Tomei Durabonin, Doraisa they would be Tohor. Now according to Bar Kapor, if it's only Tomei Durabonin, that's what we mean by Vladatuma. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, no. If it's a Vladatuma, even if it's Tomei Doraisa, for example, let's say a person touched a Sheret, so he's a Rishon, and then he touches sacrificial food, it's a, it became Tomei from a Vladatuma, the sacrificial meat. However, it's Tomei Doraisa. So that would be a case where they argue. Okay, but again, Bar Kapora says when we say Vladatuma, we mean Tuma Durabonin, and Rabbi Yechanan says, not when we say both are actually Tomei Doraisa, but Kashi Rabbi Yechanan, Al Beis Shammai. However, Rabbi Yechanan is very difficult in light of Beis Shammai. The Beis Shammai, Omri Beis Shammai, say, Hakol Yisrof Bifnim, Chutz Meshinitma Ba'ava Tuma Bechutz, Everything is burnt inside the te- all kodesh kodesh that become tome is burnt inside, unless it became tome from an avatuma outside. Now the Gemara points out so why is this Rabbi Yochanan difficult? He says ma bein avatuma bechutz, ma bein vladatuma bechutz, zevze torahu. What's the difference between whether it became tome from an avatuma? Or whether it became Tomei from a Vladatuma, at the end of the day, they are both Tuma according to the Torah. So that's a difficulty on Rabbi Yochanan. Again, according to Bar Kapor, it's easy. What's the difference between Vladatuma that you can take it back inside the temple and burn it, whereas Avatuma you can't take it inside and burn it? Is because Avatuma we mean it's Tomei Doraisa, according to Torah law, it's Tomei. But, but Vladatuma. Is not Tome according to Torah law, so it makes sense that you can burn it inside. Um, so that's that's bad. According to Rabbi Yochan, where they both Tome Dorai, so why should it make a difference what level of Tuma it is, whether it's a high level of Tuma or a lower level of Tuma? It's all Tome Dorai, so why? Should you be able, in the one case you can take it in, and in the one case you can't. And he says, Is it not even a question on Rabbi Yochanan from Beis Hillel? Everything should be burnt outside.
But what's the difference whether it's an avatuma or a vladatuma? Are they not both osu tome daraisa? Again, according to Basilo, why should it make a difference if it became tome in the temple courtyard? He says if it became tome through a vladatuma, a derivative of tuma, then you burn it inside. If it became tome through an avatuma, then you take it outside and burn it. But at the end of the day, they both tome derabonon. So why should it make a difference? Um, no, no, no. So, so that's so. So, Rabbi Yochanan's very difficult. If you learn when we say Avatuma and Vladatuma, we're referring to Tuma Doraisa. At the end of the day, once it's Tome Doraisa, what difference should it make? What level of Tuma it is? It should have the same law. You should either have to take it outside and burn it there like Basilel, or according to Beishamai, you should be allowed to, um, if it becomes Tomei inside, why can't you burn it inside? So the Gomorrah answers these questions. Oh, sorry, the Gomorrah just leaves these questions. The Gomorrah doesn't discuss it anymore. It just leaves these questions and now it goes on to discuss Bar Kapora. I don't know exactly the rules of learning Yerushalmi, but I imagine if we have strong questions on Rabbi Yochanan and not such strong questions on Bar Kapora, we'll follow Bar Kapora, but I don't know the rules of Yerushalmi. It says, When the Rabbonin were analyzing this Mishnah, they only analyzed it following Bar Kapora. So again, Bar Kapora said, when we said in the Mishnah, Avatuma, we meant Tuma Doraisa, and when we said Vladatuma, we meant Tuma Dorabonon. She so says, Vakashi the Bar Kapora, and they had a difficulty with Bar Kapora al Beishamai. In Beishamai, the Beishamai, Omrim HaKol Yisarev Befnim, Chutz Meshinitma Ba'avatuma Bechutz. Any time Kodshay Kodshim becomes Tomei, you burn it inside the temple courtyard. Unless it was Avatumai, Tomei Doraisa, and it became Tomei outside. It says, Ma bein Avatuma, bein Bechutz, bein Bifnim, vzeh loy dvar Torahu. It says, what difference does it make whether it became Tomei inside or outside the temple courtyard? You should burn them both inside the temple courtyard. At the end of the day, it's Tomei Doraisa. So why and, and Avatuma, we talk about Avatuma. So what difference does it make if it became Avatuma outside inside the temple? If it became you burn it inside, well then why can't you bring the meat that became Tome outside the temple into the temple? So the Gemara answers begin the Rabbi Akiva Omar Mokam Tumoso Shantes No, this is based on the concept of Rabbi Akiva. In the place where it became Tome, there you shall burn it. I basically Beishamai followed this logic of Beishilal. That you always burn it where it became Tomei. Oh, Beishamai said when it's Vladatuma, you bring it in to burn it. That's because it's only Tomei Durabon and it's not really Tomei, so you can bring it inside. That's why Beishamai say if it became Tomei outside, you don't bring it inside. It says, Vafilu de Beis Hillel, law 
Makshi is there not a question according to Basil? The Basil Omer Hakoli Sarif Bakhutz Khutz Mishanitma Bevladatuma Bifnim. Basil will say any Kodche Kodchim that become Tome, you burn it outside the base of Mikdash, except if it's Tome Durabonon Bifnim that became Tome while inside the temple courtyard. He says Ma Bain Vladatuma Bain Bifnim Bain Bakhutz. Says, what's the difference between a Vlad Hatuma, whether it becomes Tome, inside or outside? At the end of the day, they both are Abonan. Once, if it became Tome inside the temple courtyard, and you're allowed to burn it inside the temple courtyard, we don't say, oh, it's Tome, you better rush it out and burn it there. Well, then if it became Tomei outside and it's only Torah Bonin, you should be allowed to bring it in. Or I guess you could even say the other way around. So the Gemara answers, and in this line I'm going to change the Girsa um, to fit the grass just a little bit. It's a bit easier to read and explain. It says, begin to Rabbi Shimon, based on Rabbi Shimon's principle. Omar, he said, Macholo umashkel shel matzara, the food and the drink of the matzara, you're not allowed to bring them into the three camps. I, we know that, remember, they're different. There are three camps. There's the Machane Shechina, the Machane Leviah, and the Machane Yisrael. The Machane Shechina is the temple. The Machane Leviah is the temp, Harabais, Temple Mount. And the Machane Yisrael is the rest of Yerushalayim. Now, different levels of Tumah have to go out different camps. The Metzora has to leave all three camps. Now the halacha is regarding a mitzora is an avatuma, and anything he touches will become tomei. Now what about his food and drink? Even food and drink that he comes now granted the food and the drink that he touches becomes tomei. It's not as high level tomei as the mitzora. Nevertheless, the Torah says, "Ain may be in You're not allowed to bring it into the three camps. Um, so what do we see that? There's a problem. We see just by Mitzora, there's more of a problem of bringing it into the three camps. But if it's in the three camps, it's a Mevin, but Mishtalchin, you can you don't have to send it out. Um, so that's what he wants to say. The same thing, just as the food that's of a Mitzora that is Tomei, if it's in the three camps, you don't have to send it out. Well, so to here, if the meat is already in the, um, if it's already in the, in the temple courtyard, then you can burn it there. But once it's taken out, then you shouldn't bring it into the temple courtyard. So what do we see? We have a source for this distinction of there's sometimes where you don't have to take it out but you would not be allowed to bring it in. Which also makes sense. Once it's already in the temple courtyard, and it's already Tomei, okay, so burn it there. But to go and bring something that's Tomei into the temple to burn it, does make sense that you would make that um, distinction. Okay, so that's uh, that Mishnah. Well, now we go on to the last Mishnah of the Masechta. Matnisin, the Mishnah says, The limbs of the daily offering would be placed on the bottom half of the ramp. 
Bamarov on the west of the ramp. Remember the ramp walking up to the Mizbeach, the Kopen Achoshes in the temple courtyard. It's, it, the, the ramp is situated at the bottom of the ramp is in the south and you walk up it towards the north. So if you would place, walking up the ramp, you would place the limbs of the Korban Tomid half on the bottom half on the left, eye towards the west. Um, this is, again, remember at the beginning of the day, this is all from Maseches Tomid, that they would um, draw lots, which Kohanim got to do, which part of the Avoida, and the ones who were carrying the limbs, they would start taking it up, but then it would be Zman Kriyashma. So they would stop, they would go Davin, and then they would come back and take them the rest of the way onto the Mizbech, um, and burn it. And, and then, yeah, once they said Shmada and Davening, then they would come back and take it up the rest of the way and burn it. The Musaf, most Musaf offerings, they would put halfway up the ramp, but on the east. Now remember the... The Musaf offerings had to be burnt after the... Tomid offering. Remember, you remember we learned in Psachim that the Tomid offering sandwiches all the korbanos, basically all the korbanos between it. You do the morning Tomid, then you can offer korbanos, and the last offering of the day. I mean, there might be a sex, exception, for example, the korban pesach, but the last offering of the day would be the korban tomid. So you had to. So that's why they had to keep the limbs of the tomid and the musaf separate, because you would take the musaf that you'd have to burn the tomid one first. So that would be in the marov. And the Musaf offering would be in the east, the Mizrach. Now it says, However, the Rosh Chodesh offering would be placed on the top of the Mizbech on the Karkov. We'll see in the Gemara what the Karkov is, but and we'll see, and then I'll explain why they would put the Musaf one. Okay, that's what first part of the Mishnah where you place the different limbs of the different Karbanos on the ramp, on the altar, before you would burn them. So it's, The Shkolim and Bikurim were only, only applicable in the time of the Temple. I, this that you have to separate a shekel and donate it to the Temple is not relevant nowadays that we don't have a Temple. Which makes sense because you can't, it's used to buy communal offerings and there are no communal offerings, so what would you set aside your shekel for? And Bikurim, that's the first fruit. Remember the first fruit of the farmer, he would have to take them up to Yerushalayim and uh, place them by the Mizbech, etc. The process of the Bikurim. And it says, um, the reason is because this, the Pasuk by Bikurim says, The first fruits of your land you will bring to the house of Hashem your God. There's no house of Hashem your God to bring them to, so there's no mitzvah of Bikurim. However, Maser Dagon, that's Trumas and Masros, and Maser Bahema, that's remember, you put all your new your animals born that year in the pen, and you let them out one at a time, counting one, two, three, four, five, as they run out, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and the tenth one you mark with paint, and the tenth one is taken up to Yerushalayim as a sacrifice. So Maser Dogon, Maser Bahema, Bechoros, that's the firstborn offerings, Noagim Bain Bifnau Bais, Bain Shalob Bifnau Bais, are applicable and relevant whether there is a temple and whether there is not a temple. I'll come back to that line, but then it says, Hamagdish Kolim will be Kurim. 
What happens if you do sanctify a shkolim or bukurim? You pick up money and you say, this money is for my shekel. Or you take your first fruit and you say, this fruit is for my bukurim. Kodesh, it becomes holy. I and we're going to have to discuss what do you do with holy food. Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon says, Oimer ha'oimer bikurim kadosh. Sorry, ha'oimer bikurim kadosh. If someone says these are my holy bikurim, ain't kadosh, they do not become sanctified. I, there's no such basically. But the fact the shekel we said doesn't become kadosh because it's not relevant nowadays. But if you declare it kadosh, it becomes kadosh. It becomes a donation to the temple. And you'd have to put it in a safety deposit box. We'll, we'll discuss um, theoretically in a safety deposit box until the temple. Um, however, the Bikurim, they can only get the sanctity of Bikurim when there is a Beis Amigdash. So there's nothing, at the, the Kedusha can't take hold. Um, just a few points on this. Um, so that's um, just regarding Master Dogon, Master Bay, etc., Master um, Dogon, so grains, Tumas and Masters are applicable nowadays, and that's why when you go to Israel, you even have to be careful with the, um, with the Heksher on your fruit and vegetables. In South Africa, you don't have to worry. You can walk into the shop and you can buy oranges, you can buy wheat and flour, and you can buy vegetables without worrying about whether they're kosher or not, because vegetables are kosher. However, in Israel, where Tumas and Masters still apply, you have to make sure that it's has a hexture that trumas and masters have been separated. Otherwise, you have to separate it. So that's something to be aware of. That's applicable nowadays, and you have to uh, be aware of it. Um, just interesting, master dogon, a uh, master behemoth. They have ways to get out of, and the reason we don't we get out of it is because we don't want to have master behemoth. We don't want to have animals that are meant for the base amigdash when there's no way to offer them around. We'll see a bit more about that in the Gemara. Bechoros, remember, Bechoros, you run into the most trouble. Because as the animal is born, it's a Bechor. So strictly speaking, what the owner would have to do is leave it, wait for it to get an injury, and then it's not a Korman anymore. But they do um, elsewhere, we, when we did Bechoros, and we'll discuss it, hopefully we'll get there in a few years again, when we did Bechoros, we discussed that there were ways that you get around it becoming a Bukhar, and we generally discourage that. However, to not run into trouble of having sanctified animals running around, um, we do what we can to avoid them even becoming Kadosh. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go into the Gomorrah. So the first point we discussed is we said the Musaf offerings were placed on the Karkov. So Ezo Karkov on his back. What is the Karkov? So he says, It's an Amma between two horns of the altar, which is where the Kohanim would walk. Would walk. Um, remember we discussed this before, that the Mizbech, the easiest way to understand this is the Mizbech was five Amos by five Amos. So the Amma in the middle is where the pyre was. Then the Amma around that, so let's just look at it in uh, two dimensions. So on either side of that, taking you to three Ammas is where the Kohanim would walk. And then the last Amma would be open, except in the corners there was uh, the, the horns, which are also an Amma by an Amma. So that's where you get five, because you have the, the area between the horns and the between the horns. Again, two-dimensional. You have the, area, the horns and the between the horns taking one Amma. Then an Amma walkway. 
then the pyre, so that's three amos, then the walkway, because remember you have to be able to walk around the pyre, and then the amma, so that's four, and then the fifth amma is the amma of the horn. So the karkov seems to be that area on the top of the Mizbah where the kohadim could stand. So now the obvious, the, not the obvious, so while all the other limbs of, a, of Korban, the Tomid and the regular Musaf, were placed at the top of the Mizbeach, well, sorry, were placed on the bottom half of the ramp. The Musaf was placed right at the, the Musaf of, of Rosh Chodesh. It's amazing, today's Rosh Chodesh, and we, I don't know if this much, this is one of the few times we've mentioned Rosh Chodesh in this Masechta. We're discussing what to do on Rosh Chodesh. Today is Rosh Chodesh. Um, don't know if you believe in Dapyomi coincidences, um, but this definitely seems to be one. Um, the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh was placed right on top. So the reason is, and there are a few things we do for this concept, is to publicize that it is Rosh Chodesh. Remember, in those days, it wasn't a set calendar. You look on your calendar and you know what day is Rosh Chodesh. You had to wait to hear, based in announce it. The Sanhedrin determined when Rosh Chodesh was. So there was always a little bit of doubt. Is today Rosh Chodesh? Or is it tomorrow that's Rosh Chodesh? So that's why um, they would place the Musaf right on the top of the Mizbah to make people aware as an added factor that it was Rosh Chodesh. If I understand correctly, I think that's the main reason we say Halal on Rosh Chodesh. You can check, I, can, I could be mistaken, but it's definitely one of the reasons, if not the main reason we say Halal on Rosh Chodesh, on Rosh Chodesh is to publicize that today's Rosh Chodesh. Obviously, it does have aspects of a special day and maybe even a slight festival, but it's one of the reasons is to publicize it. Okay, now an added, so now we're going to come on to... Um, and through this discussion, we're going to see another special thing that they used to do to publicize that it was Rosh Chodesh. It says, Musay Shabbos with Musay Rosh Chodesh, Mikorim. What comes first? It's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. What do you do? Do you offer the Musaf for Shabbos first or the Musaf for Rosh Chodesh first? So Rebirmiya Salva Maima Rebirmiya thought to say Musfei Shabbos or Musfei Rosh Chodesh, Musfei Rosh Chodesh Kormim. Rebirmiya thought that when you have a choice between Ayat's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, you should do the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh first. And Chayle de Rebirmiya Min Hadar, his proof was from the following. It says Shirushil Shabbos Vishirushil Rosh Chodesh, saying the Levim used to sing songs relevant to the Korbanos that were being offered. So they would sing the song relevant to Shabbos, when you had to choose between the song relevant to Shabbos, Shiro Shor Rosh Chodesh, and the song, the Tehillim relevant to Rosh Chodesh, Shiro Shor Rosh Chodesh, Koidem, the Shir for Rosh Chodesh, comes first. Ah, oh, now, the assumption is when they're going to be singing these songs, when they offer the Korban. So if you sing the song of Rosh Chodesh, the Tehillim relevant to Rosh Chodesh first, must be because you're offering the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh first. And then afterwards, you would offer the Shabbos one and sing the Shabbos Tehillim. So Amar Rabbi Yosef Shnei, no, it's different. Shnei here, it's different. Tamon to Amar Rabbi Tamon. There it's different. To Amar Rabbi Chia, b'shem Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Chia said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, "Kedai lefarsomol adiel shehurosh chodesh." No, they switched the songs around again to publicize that it is Rosh Chodesh. And this line will move a little bit later in the Gemara to make it easier to read. So that's the. Rosh Chodesh, Barom, Hacha, Musfei, Shabbos, Musfei, Rosh Chodesh. However, that regarding the actual Korban of Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh, Musfei, Rosh Chodesh, Musfei, Shabbos, Koidmim, Al Shem, Kola, Todim, Mechaveir, Koidem, Eschaveir. Based on the principle, whatever is more common, you do first. 
So that's a very important principle that we use to govern our lives. Um, and mitzvahs, you've got a choice between doing two mitzvahs. We're not saying a choice, I mean that one you'll miss and one you won't do it, but you've got two mitzvahs in front of you. For example, offering the Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, uh, the Rosh Chodesh Musaf or the Shabbos Musaf. Another time we had it recently was... And when we were discussing the order, should you say the bracha on one first or the actual bracha of Kiddush first? So again, what do you use? Which one? Again, you've got to do both, but which one takes precedence? Which one should they have both in front of you? Which one should you do first? So, whichever one is more frequent takes precedence. So again, so you're going to Rosh Chodesh is once a month. Shabbos is approximately four times a month. So therefore, you would do the Musaf of Shabbos um, and so too, that's why we, one of the main reasons we do one first, again, it's a discussion, but one of the reasons we do one first is because you say the brocha on one by more mitzvahs than you say the brocha of Kiddush. One's for Brismillah, Kiddush, Havdolah, um, um, this Kiddushin and Nisuyin, etc. All these mitzvahs you say over a cup of wine, but the mitzvah of Kiddush is only once a week. So that's uh, um, one interesting thing on this Shir Shel Rosh Chodesh point. Um, so actually, if you look in the Gomorrahs in a few places, the Levim, so we have Shir Shel Yom. Every Sunday we say a Tehillim, every Monday we say a Tehillim, every, and it's the same Tehillim every Sunday, Monday, etc. If you look at the Gomorrahs, and the Groh actually says it, on certain special occasions, it's actually supposed to be a special Tehillim. I, for example, when it's Rosh Chodesh, it should be a different Tehillim. We always say, so today's Monday, we will still say the Monday one, but there's a reason, there's actually, based on the Gomorrahs, maybe you should be saying a different one. And if you look also on each different day of the festivals, there should be a different Tehillim. Um, or an additional Tehillim relevant to that day. So that's what we're discussing with the Levim. Okay, let's move on to the second half of the mission. was discussing if you sanctify something. So we said Shkolem and Bikurim are only relevant in the times of the Beis HaMikdash. And this, but if you do sanctify it, we said the Shekel becomes Kadosh. And Bikurim was a Machloikas. The Tanakhama says Bikurim do not become, does become Kadosh. And Rabbi Shimon says it does not become Kadosh. So you're telling me that Shkolem becomes Kodesh. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says in the name of Rabbi Shimon that they do not become Kodosh. Neither Shkolem nor Bikurim become Kodosh. Tony, we learned in a Braisa. A ger nowadays has to set aside his court, his court quarter of Kesef, that's uh, a quarter of a, silver, of a silver coin, for his nest. There's three parts to Geiros, at least for men, there are three parts. Women, there's two parts. The first part is a brismila, mikvah, and bring in a korban. Now, strictly speaking, a ger is not a ger until he's done all those parts. Nowadays, that there's no korban, we let them off. But this price says he must still set aside the money for the birds he has to bring as his korban for conversion. Basically, I think that he would offer it as korban, the blood would be sprinkled on him, and he would become, then he would become a full Jew. Um, nowadays, that you can't do it, a ger becomes a full Jew without it. 
But this Bryce seems to say he must put it aside, put the money aside. Om Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon said, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai Rabbi Shimon said that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai cancelled doing that. He said, do not set aside money because it's going to lead to trouble. What's the takola? It says you should not um, sanctify items. I declare them kodesh, donate them to the temple. Or me'erech, give an erech donation. Or machmim, give a cherem donation. Going to leave out the next use. Bizman In these times, ve'im kichu aherech oyhechrim hakesef tisoreif. If you did sanctify. Declare something kodosh. I donated to the temple. Or herich, make a erich donation or a cherim donation. If it's money, hapsus, sorry, if it's clothes or garments, sorry, if you should burn it. Habahema ta'aker. The behema, you must let it die. What does it mean, let it die? Ketzad. Noel befonel hadelis vehi mesamelia. Lock it in a room and let it die by itself. Are you not allowed to actively kill the animal because it's set aside as a korban? But you leave it to die. And if it's money, you throw it into the Dead Sea. Uh, what are we saying? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai came along and said, you do not set aside money or items as donations to the temple. And the takola, I think, is pretty obvious. If you have some money in your drawer set aside for the temple, you or someone else might accidentally spend it. I mean, I put that money in that drawer 20 years ago. And it was set aside for the base of Midash, and then you forget, or someone else doesn't know, and they need money, so they open the drawer, and they take out the money, and they spend it. You transgress me'ila. And so, too, if you have an animal that's for coaching running around, you shear it, you milk it, you use it for work, you transgress me'ila. So, it's very dangerous to have coaching lying around. Um, the thing you should um, look if there's a base amigdash then you can take it straight up to Jerusalem the next time you go and offer it there or give it to the temple but nowadays who knows how long it's going to be sitting around for not only that I mean we've seen elsewhere that pious people used to actually only declare their korbanos as kodshim right before they would offer it just to avoid a whole lot of issues well I mean it came up a while ago but that's another concept. So we don't want to sanctify things. Nowadays it's very dangerous. However, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, if they do become Kadosh, if someone did sanctify something, well, there's no reason to say it's not Kadosh. And therefore it would actually be Kadosh. However, again, because of the Takola, you must dispose of it. Get uh, Dispose of it in a way that no one will come to transgress Me'ilah. So that's Rabbi Yochanan's um, opinion. So again, you should not sanctify items. Like for example, a ger should not set aside money for his korbanos, even though as soon as the Beis Hamidash is rebuilt, he will have to set. He will have to bring that korban. He shouldn't set aside the money for it. And so too, nothing else should be tra- um, set aside. Now the Gemara says, "Of our behigdish, minma." The Omer Rabbi Shimon Butler Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zaka Mimnata Kola had the Omer of a Vehigdish Kodsho. What happens if he went against this? Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zaka said he should not declare it Kodosh. And Rabbi Shimon came along and said, with the language that implies if he did sanctify it, it does become Kodosh. So that's from this price. 
Um, again, Omer Rabbi Shimon Bittler Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan cancelled and said you should not make it Kodosh. However, if you did sanctify it, it does become Kodosh. That's the key point we want to bring out from this last line. And then because of that, Rabbi Yudha Antudraya, boy, Kumi Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Yudha Antudraya asked before Rabbi Yosi, Hacha at Omer Kodosh, va Hacha at Omer Loi Kodosh. In our Mishnah, he seems to say... Well, here, sorry, here, by the Ger, it seems it does become Kodosh. But in our Mishnah, by the Shkolem and Bikurim, Rabbi Shimon says, at least the, the Bikurim do not become Kodosh. Sorry, or let's go with Rabbi, Sh- Rabbi Shimon ben Yehud in the name of Rabbi Shimon says, it does not become Kodosh. So we seem to have a contradiction in Rabbi Shimon. Again, at the top of the page, we brought Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, who said that if someone sanctifies a shekel or sanctifies Bikurim, it does not become Kodesh. Let's focus on the shekel. It does not become Kodesh. And then we brought this teaching that Rabbi Shimon said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, that you should not sanctify these things. But if you do sanctify it, it does become Kodesh. So what does Rabbi Shimon hold? So Amalei, Tamon... There, by the Shkolim, he says it does not become Kodesh Lechatchila because the mitzvah is always to offer it from the new Shkolim. And this shekel that you set aside will always be considered an old shekel. So, Vahacha, and here by the Cain Hager, the money that the Ger sets aside for his birds that he has to offer, what are you going to say? That it's old? You don't need it to be from the new year produce. And therefore, if he does sanctify it, it becomes Kadosh. Just finish to the end, and then we'll explain it. He would have to leave it until. Um, why doesn't he leave his shekel until the base of Mingdash is built? Shema Yivne base Kaburi Shoina Vitorum Trumas Halishka Minachadosha Bismano Beechot Benisa because they might build the base of Mingdash as it was and they would have to take a new Trumas Halishka from the new coins from Nisan. And, but you don't have that here. Um, you don't have that in our case. Um, you can't say that by the Cain Hager. Again, what this last line is saying is that, if I understood it correctly, is that even if you did set aside the shekel now, for this year, when they build the Beit Samigdash and start a collection of Shkolim to offer the communal offerings, your shekel is still from the old one because it will be a new collection. And therefore, your shekel that you set aside now as your shekel is always an old shekel which is not used for the communal offerings. Now, granted, we did say that the old shekels were used for things, shirei halishka, they were used for repairing things in Yerushalayim, etc. But that's not the primary purpose, and that wouldn't give them the kedusha. So therefore, Chazal came along and said, when you dedicate a shekel, you say, this is my shekel that I'm giving to the base. I mean, that's because I'm obligated to give a shekel. It does. They, they came along and said it doesn't become Kodosh. And it makes sense, that they, and they have the right to do that, because it will never ever be used as a shekel. So to say it doesn't become Kodosh is not a big jump. However, with the cane, the money that a ger sets aside, well, that's a debt he owes. And no matter what year the Beis Amigdash 
subsequent to that is rebuilt, no matter what year subsequent to that it is rebuilt, um, it, it will still be good money for his bird. Again, remember, it's only communal offerings that have to be from the new Shkolim, not his old offerings, and therefore this would um, the cane of the gear would still become Kodesh. Again, as we learned from Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai, you must not sanctify things. What happens if you do? There's a big halachic discussion. Because nowadays, if people say, I make an atom Kodesh, they often mean it as a donation to the shul. I mean, I haven't hear, heard people use that phrase, um, a donation to the shul like that, but I have seen... Um, um, sorry on the... I haven't heard people you know, use that use that phrase, but in the in the poskim they discuss it. Can it if that's what people mean? Can it be used for the shul? What happens if what should you do with something that they do um, declare kodesh, etc.? So this isn't it is a little bit far fetched. I mean that we don't really hear of people doing it, but it is discussed in the poskim what to do with it. And here the Gemara concludes: They say that the halacha is like Rabbi Shimon. Okay, and we'll leave it there. Hadronolach perek kol aroikin uslikalon mesechesh kolim. Hadronolach perek kol aroikin uslikalon mesechesh kolim. Hadronolach perek kol haroikin uslikalon mesechesh kolim. Mazel tov, everyone. We'll start Yuma tomorrow.